Well, hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast. Here to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus, wherever you are and whatever you're going through. Uh, in today's conversation, I spoke to the incredible Susie Kennedy. Susie is an English actress and comedian who's best known for her work as a Marilyn Monroe lookalike. She has over 52,000 followers on social media and has impersonated Marilyn Monroe in TV commercials and played her in several films, including Me and Marilyn in 2009, The Theory of Everything and Blade Runner 2049. She's also appeared as herself on the Alan Titchmarsh Show, The Weakest Link, Come Dine With Me, The Chase and Britain's Got Talent. In 2021, she performed her own show, Living as Marilyn, and she's currently studying for a theology and counselling degree and presents a weekly show on Connect Radio at 8pm every Thursday. Susie is a passionate Christian who loves talking to people about Jesus, and it was a complete honour and privilege to talk with her and hear her story and learn about what God's done in her life. Amazing, amazing time, and I pray and hope it's going to be a huge blessing and encouragement to you today. I should also say that this podcast is also available on YouTube and our New Ground channel. You can access that through our website or on YouTube by searching for Life and Leadership. And if you watch the video, you can see just how much like Marilyn Monroe, Susie does indeed look. Susie is part of a New Frontiers church in East London. I first came across her by reading the article written about her entitled Being Marilyn Monroe Saved Me During Years of Abuse, which gives you an insight into some of the things that we talked about in our time together. That article can be found in the Woman Alive magazine, which I'd encourage you to check out if you've not found that or come across that before. Uh, Information about that, links to that article, along with links to any other thing about Susie, where you can find her and follow her on social media will all be available in the description to today's episode on our website or in the description notes from today's episode, wherever you're listening to this. I hope it encourages you. Um, Susie is incredible. Um, just a real source of joy and faith and hope um, in sharing all that God's done in our life. So for now, I'm going to hand over to that. God bless you. And I look forward to bringing you another conversation soon. Hi, Susie. Thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. That's quite a quite an introduction. You're a quite a, an accomplished person. I know it's it's so weird, actually. I mean, I don't know how, how other people feel when they've done. Uh, I mean, I am 45, so I've done quite a lot. But you know, when people read it back to you, you're like, wow, I've done I've done quite a lot. I've done really well. Yeah, it's been a, a completely amazing career, and uh, always twists and turns to where I am now. And yeah. Amazing. When you read it back to me, I'm like, yep, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Marilyn Monroe lookalike, which is unusual, um, and a model and a comedian, that's a, a big industry. Um, I'd love to hear about your experience in that, how you became a Christian and some of what God's done in your life. Uh, I don't know where a good place to start is. Maybe you could just share with us. How, how did you get into the industry of the lookalike industry, becoming a Marilyn Monroe lookalike and all of that? Where did that begin? Yeah, sometimes you have to start at the end to see the beginning. And when you said, like, how did you become a Christian? I realized that I've probably, God's always known me. I realize that now. God's always had his hands on my life. I was just in this world trying to survive, not realizing. Now I realize God's always been there because I see moments in my life where I could have given up um and if people have read Woman Alive we'll talk about it now but my life wasn't that great um it's an understatement actually but I realized that I've probably always been a Christian I just didn't know it um until God actually turned up in my life and said (laughs) 
here I am. But um, I look back at my old Facebooks and I was still writing, you know, I don't care what I do, God loves me. And I probably was like saying it quite off the cuff, but there must have been something inside me. And um, yeah, this becoming Marilyn, I realise, I mean, the headline in Woman Alive magazine says Marilyn Monroe saved my life and being Marilyn saved my life. And that is actually true. But what I realise is by Jesus making me be born and doing that career in a way he saved my life because um, I was abused from a very, very young age by my mum met a guy. My, my dad left me when I was a baby in America and um, I was born in, in the USA. He left us there and it was my mum's first ever boyfriend, childhood sweethearts, you know, got married, did, did the right thing, you know, so you can do the right thing and life can still go wrong. So they'd always been together, went there. I was born. Uh, he left us. My mum came back. We were homeless, raised in he Peckham, which was the worst place to live back in the, the 80s. It was just a place where even the police wouldn't, if you called the police, they wouldn't turn up. And my mum was amazing. And then she met a guy at a single parent's evening and he came into my life when he was, I was five years old. He was like the only dad I really knew um, because my real dad just, in and out of our lives and um he ended up sexually abusing me physically abusing me and this went on all through my life and I didn't tell anybody it was it was it was something that was so when you're groomed from from such a young age and you find yourself being cut off from everybody I ended up living in two worlds living in a world in my head and living in a world in my body and someone said I look like Marilyn Monroe because I, in my head I'd escaped to this world of vintage clothing and, and just living this separate world. And before I knew it, somebody said to me, you could actually do this for a living. And I was still under abuse from him and he allowed me to do it. And I say allowed because I was, wasn't allowed to do a lot of things, but because I made money looking like Marilyn, I never saw that money. I got the money, gave it to him, but I could live this life. And I was good at it. And as I went to audition for a TV commercial and it was for After Eight Mints with Naomi Campbell and Stephen Fry. I've never been to a commercial, never done Marilyn. And they said, can you do her voice? Can you walk like her? And the crazy thing was, it's I could. And I don't know where it came from. It was like this gift. And I did it and I got the job. And there I was with Naomi Campbell and Stephen Fry. And I got out Marilyn Monroe videos. That's how old I am from Blockbuster Video. During Blockbuster, you have to be a certain age to remember Blockbuster Video and VHS. And I got Gentleman Fur Blondes. I looked at her and studied her. And little did I know, years later, 10 years later, I'd be wearing that actual dress that I saw in that film. I ended up being hired by the auction houses in the estates to go around and wear Marilyn Monroe's real costumes when they're in auction and you know having this woman's next to my skin and my 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 life just blew up and because I could have this escape through this Marilyn I mean I would have days where I'd I'd have been beaten by my abuser and then go to do a job in the evening and be able to do it because my mind would disconnect from my body and I would just live in this Marilyn world and it kept me going in the end cut a long story short in the end the abuse came out and um, my abuser tried to murder me and uh, weirdly for anyone that's ever been abused that's listening to this they may relate to this a little bit 
um, I was out on the street and the police arrived and I was really badly injured. And I said, can I go back in the house? Because I was so frightened of my abuser. I'd prefer to go in the house and be abused again than the fear of what could happen. That's the amount of trauma you're under. But luckily the police were great. Um, and my abuser got justice and he, he, he went to prison and my life opened up. And after that, you're going to get a word in Edgeway soon. <laughs> after that, I just want to get that bit done so you can ask other questions. After that, my life opened up. I was free to, to live a life I'd never had. I was 27 years old. I'd never had my first kiss. I'd never had, it was all taken by my abuser, my first boyfriend. So I was a little bit crazy. I was like drinking loads, partying, like getting this freedom. It was like being let out of prison. And I was so lost like so lost because I had all this fame I was hanging out with like Eva Longoria and meeting all these celebrities and pop stars that I used to love when I was young and now like I had them on my phone you know and it was just crazy this world opened up but yet there's something missing I wasn't happy I I felt worthless I felt absolutely I was only validated by my job I was validated because I looked like Marilyn I was validated because men found me attractive I was validated because people wanted to know me and I was invited to parties but inside I still didn't know who I was I felt completely worthless and it was only when I got cancer I was, uh, it's a lot happening, isn't it? It's like, I've gone from abuse to cancer. Um, I got diagnosed with cancer when I was um, in 2014. And um, it was just, it was crazy because they, they said to me, I was misdiagnosed. So it was a shock to get it. Um, I was in this room and I had to have radio. I had chemotherapy, radiotherapy and brachytherapy, internal brachytherapy. And I was in this room and with radiotherapy, you have to be alone. And for a minute, I just felt completely just scared. And I was, it took a lot for me to be scared. I wasn't even scared when they told me I had cancer because I'd lived a lot of fear and I'd come over that. Nothing could frighten me more than what I'd been living in. And as I laid there, I felt somebody touch me on the shoulder. I couldn't see them because I'm lying down. I'm having internal, internal radiotherapy, which is just horrible. And I thought it was a nurse. And I heard this voice say, don't worry, I'm with you and you're going to be okay. I was like, oh, thank you. And it felt so good. And when I came out of the radiotherapy, I felt like completely just warm and just lovely. And when I came out, I said, I just want to thank that nurse, whoever it was that, that touched me and said I was going to be okay because I just felt so good after that. And they said there was nobody in the room with you. And we saw you talking, but nobody was there. And I said to my mum, that's got to be God. She's like, well, it could be your dad, because my dad had committed suicide, my real dad. Um, could have been your nan. I said, no, they didn't care about me when I was alive. It's definitely not. It was something that I've never experienced. And I just, I knew it was God. I knew it. And I knew it was Jesus. And it's the weird, the, the voice I heard wasn't a male or a female, but it was audible. So if someone said, what did it sound like? Did he sound French or American? <laughs> he didn't, I can't tell you what exactly what it sounded like but I know what it said and that's a weird thing to say um but after that I just thought I've got to get into this I've got to find out what had happened and 
straight away I was like this is right and it was like a, it was like a domino effect I just got all my savings I went to Israel to get baptized and go on a pilgrimage and my mum was worried she was like oh my god there's going to be loads of old people you've got to get your own room and I was like mum I can't afford single person supplements I'm just going to trust God and on comes on this young girl my age we hang out have the best time ever and she's like I was scared I was going to have to share with some old lady nothing wrong with old ladies but you know we had the best time together and I just thought I just want to change I I know God kept me alive for a reason I know God kept me through cancer I had cancer twice my cancer spread to my parents so it's like the chance of survival was 20 year uh, 20 percent the chance of surviving six years was very low because it had spread it usually reoccurs because it reoccurred so quickly I was like if God's made me survive all that abuse cancer twice and when I was Sorry to say, I know it's a Christian podcast, but just giving myself to men that didn't deserve access to me because I was so in trauma. So many times, I could, and I thought, God's kept me alive for a reason. So being baptised and then deciding that I want to I help people that have been through what I've been through or, or similar, I decided to go to Christian University and study theology and counselling degree, and I'm loving it. It's the best thing I've ever done and then I never used to speak out about my story and I thought I never felt ready and then I decided because it's a really thing to open yourself up it's really hard and I'd say to people don't do it until you're ready you may think you're ready but you're not it's been a long time since I was I got out of my abuse when I was 26 27 and now I'm 45 and it's only now that I'm I've processed what's happened to me and my cancer's six years clear. So I've processed that. And now I can talk about it. And I'm so glad I'm using it as a message from Jesus rather than a cancer survivor or an abuse survivor or a child abuse survivor. I'm a, I'm a child of God's survivor. God's, God's, God's got me to survive. I know people say it's chemo and medicine. Sometimes that fails. God kept me alive for a reason. So I want to spend the rest of my life still doing marrying jobs, I'm doing one next week, still doing, you know, my degree, but as many times as I can tell people, find Jesus, because he's already there, he was there with me all the time, luckily, he had to shake me a little bit, but I just want to dedicate the rest of my life to telling people my story, and how Jesus has redeemed me, and made me feel worthy, it's, I feel, I've stopped that people pleasing, I've gone, no, no, this isn't, this isn't right for me, because Jesus has put me back together again and nothing no therapy no medicine could have done that only Jesus sorry about that you can talk now <laughs> oh wow oh man gosh Susie thank you so much for sharing that very um yeah very moving a lot of information but you have to just get it in one otherwise it becomes yeah well yeah well having got it in one can we kind of dive into various aspects of it and just yes. see how God's um taught you things through it but um Gosh, what a, what a lot to have lived through and survived. And mm. you mentioned, you know, right at the start, really, that you you feel like you've always been a Christian or you've known that God's been with you the whole time or his hand's been on your life the whole time. Can you talk to us a bit about maybe your early experiences of Jesus and Christianity? And then even maybe if you've had a chance to process and think about how do you, how do you process such abuse while also being able to say God was with me uh, during that time? Um, 
how do you, how do you make sense of God, the God, the kind of God that would allow that to happen? Well, it's funny because people do say that, don't they? They're like, why would God allow that? You know, why didn't he strike him down dead or something? But um, I think I'd always known God exists because I was I was sent to Sunday school. I was sent to uh, a Christian primary school and I was sent to a Christian secondary school. But the reason I think it didn't resonate with me is because I would sit there and think, if he's real, why is this stuff happening to me? Do you know, like this, this person that's so good, my life is not good. But what I realize is a lot of that is society's fault. And I hate, I know people go, society needs to change, society, society, and blame society for everything. But I think the way we, I think it's changing now. We have some great churches and people doing great work with youth. I think, you know, I'm 45 years old. It's a different generation. We were taught Jesus so distantly. So you'll go into assembly, you'd sing Kumbaya, you'd read a bit of text and off you'd go to class. So Jesus felt so far away. He wasn't living and breathing. He wasn't, he, we are Christians, but there is a them and us. Like, could you really go up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm being abused? No, because he was like an authoritative figure. And yes, he is an authoritative figure. He is God, but he's also relatable. He also would sit with people. And like, I don't feel that we were ever taught that in school of how human Jesus was. He was always so far away. Saying his name, but he's not there. Do you, know what I, do you know what I mean by that? I don't know how old you are. Well, we put him in the box, religion, don't we? Like we studied, I went to, you know, I'm, what am I, 39. So, right. um, so I'll, it's pretty near. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I grew up not going to church and my experience of Christianity was, you know, being taught assemblies at primary school. Like you said, singing Kumbaya and Autumn Leaves and stuff. I can't remember all those songs. But you're right, you hear, you hear Jesus talked about in this kind of box of religious belief over here. And it was this kind of... I don't know, that you couldn't approach it. It was a bit up there, a bit off, like you said, authoritarian or just distant, cold, remote, nothing like the the personal Jesus that I, we came to know. Is that sort of what you mean? Completely what I mean. And it's funny because I'm reading, and also because I'm studying counselling, they're saying that we want counsellors in schools. And I thought the ultimate counsellor is Jesus. You just need Jesus back in that school. Yeah, human counsellors are good. But I will tell you, as someone that suffered a lot, I have counselling because I have to have it for my, um, and also I think we should all have it a little bit, but I have counselling because I have to be a counsellor, you have to be counselled. And there's no way to me that counselling could have put my worthiness back in me. My, who I am comes from who Jesus says I am. Sound like a song now from Hillsong, but it it, it, it really does. And I, and I try and say this to people that, you can't do it yourself. I mean, in counselling, we say oh, it's in you. But the ultimate counsellor you need in that school is Jesus, because he will tell you, like, if, if Jesus was human to me when they spoke it, if, if Jesus, if they told me so- stories about, you know, the woman at the well and how even though, you know, she was married five times and living with a married man, that he was like, I know you, I, I care about you. That would have been revolutionising to my, to my 12-year-old brain. He would have suddenly become a counsellor, which he is. But school counsellors aren't going to change lost children. Jesus, Jesus can change your life. Like if he saved me and I was, I was lost. I mean, people say amazing grace, I was lost, but now I'm found. I wasn't just lost. 
they'd torn up the missing person thing. They're like, she's gone. <laughs> but if he can, if he can put me back together again, that's why to me, I never be, a, a, even though I'm at Christian university and I, I hear people even in my uni wobbling, wobbling. And I'm like, there's a few Peters and Judases in here. You know, really remember the human Jesus. Cause if you were sitting here, you wouldn't be speaking the way you're speaking it, because Jesus saved my life. He saved my life. He's, yeah, I can't, I can't sing his praises high enough. And that's the reason I feel brave enough to tell my story because I'm not telling my story for any other reason than to say, and here I am now. And now I realize why all this, and like your, your question, why did that Jesus allow that to happen? Jesus didn't do those things to me. And that's really important to understand. Jesus didn't abuse me. My abuser abused me. He's a child molester. He's an evil person, but Jesus is all good. What Jesus did was whatever inner strength kept me from killing myself, whatever inner strength kept me from becoming a drug addict or an alcoholic, that's Jesus. That's the power that Jesus has. He cannot intervene. Can you imagine if Jesus, well, you know this, if Jesus intervenes on every single wrong thing that happens in the world, we'd never have good people. We'd never know how good people are because we wouldn't see their reaction. You know, out of bad comes good. People go, look at this amazing charity worker. Well, well, we only know they're an amazing charity worker because they've had to respond to bad in the world. Jesus can't just, Jesus doesn't cause bad. Humans cause bad. That's really helpful. And that's how you, that's how you kind of then process um, such a, I mean, we talk about, I was going to say you process such a painful time in your life, but it's not, it's not even a, t- a time in your life. It's a long time. Like I think in, from the age of 12 to 27, like your entire like adolescent, early adult life. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because people say to me, it's mad that you've never taken drugs because I don't even have a problem when I've taken drugs because they're fun. And I'm like, well, I don't think drugs are fun, but I know that was God. I know God had his hand on me for for a reason there's a reason if one girl and I know they do because they've written to me if one girl reads reads what I've um, put in woman alive or, or, or on my social media and says I feel brave enough to to talk about this or I feel like I want to pick up a bible that's my favorite part when people say to me I didn't think Christians looked like you or were like you well good I'm glad you don't think I mean what does a Christian look like right because they're not exposed to them. We're not on TV. We're on specialist channels or specialist podcasts or specialist magazines. You're not allowed to say Jesus on TV. And then they wonder why, what's going on. You can say anything you want on TV. Just don't say Jesus. And I even watched, I even watched uh, the Brits and Little Sims one. Amazing. And she was giving the most inspirational speech. She was saying to kids, no matter where you're from, a council estate, an immigrant, whatever race you are, look at me, I was you and I've won this Brit and may God bless you and thank you, God. What bit did they cut out when it was uploaded? The God bit, it was taken out. And I showed it to my friend and I was like, explain why they took that bit out. She went, oh, it's so it can get in the 30 seconds. I said, it's funny though. And even the camera went strange. People don't like it. And I've got to say, big up to the, you know, black community because it's a lot of the black acts that actually do mention Christianity and do mention God whereas I find I don't see I don't see Adele or or I don't see these people speaking out for God the only time Adele mentioned God was when she was with Stormzy she said Stormzy got me praying (laughs) and I do find that you know there isn't 
many opportunities like I think if I if I wasn't in Woman Alive and I said this story the press would love my story but they'll take the Jesus bit out I put money on it and they'd call it they'd call it a story of you know healing and recovery and overcoming adversity whereas you're saying it's a story of Jesus Jesus saved me yes and actually I like you kind of made a little differentiation there between being kept alive and then being saved exactly. it's like you, you were kept alive by being married Marilyn and then saved by Jesus totally yeah, that should have a little asterisk next to it and just go and save by Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I ask about your uh, early experience as a young girl experiencing abuse? Mm. Why didn't you and why don't people in that situation speak out about it? I think you said, you know, your abuser had told you that, you know, um, your mum didn't love you or that she wouldn't believe yeah. you. Um, what is it that keeps a person in a situation like that going back to or allowing themselves to continue being abused? It's total grooming. And that word is thrown around a lot. But your mind doesn't become your own. And we, we see it even in the, 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 the media where people believe the narrative. So you're living with a narrative, but it's a personal one. It's not one from Sky News or the BBC. This is a, a, a real narrative in your life that Every day you're drip fed fear, you're drip fed distrust. And at such a young age, and because I was born in America to be told, you know, you can't even stay here. You'll be, it's only me that's allowing you to stay here. You'll be sent back. You're a little girl. You don't understand the way the world works. You're, you're, and to make it worse, I remember coming back from a school field trip and I had an American passport because I was born in America. And they said, what are you, what are you doing here? Uh, I was like, well I live here I'm a little girl right and they were like you you not allowed to live here and they gave me a 30-day time to prove I was British or I'd be thrown out of the country and it was only because my dad being born in in the UK I had to sort out his find his death certificate because he was dead by then and so that reinstated his what he told me came true so I'm thinking oh my he's right I am going to be thrown out of this country oh he he's here to save me and you know, I, I wasn't allowed to drive. I was, there's loads of things. And you just, after a while, you become in a state of, you're not in your own mind anymore. You, you know, it's why people belong to cults and stuff like that. And you think, or people go back to abusers. And I think unless you've lived it, you can never fully appreciate how, how you're just not in your right state of mind. And looking back, and that's part of the reason why I want to help girls that have been through what I've been through is because, it feels embarrassing to tell to someone yeah I know now I could have told somebody and they would have believed me but when you're there you don't believe that and there's fear that they 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 will harm you there's fear of being believed there's fear if if you are believed and you're sent back there and there's all these different things and it's so hard to to say I didn't leave because of this it's not it's layers it's layers of of, we, we see it in the media people believe certain things in the media and you're like that's not you know that's not true right you know this person isn't this person yet they are because you're and that happens to people who are not abused so can you imagine if you're living with someone 24 7 and they tell you these stories and they back them up with their version of facts but you can actually believe it it's it's grooming is so deadly it's and it's powerful and then like you said there's layers upon layers of deceit deception bullying um it's the power of lies to keep people in prison and you know bringing it back to jesus again you say well that's what he that's what he yes. did in shattering the darkness that the human race has lived under this this great lie that 
God can't be trusted and that God isn't good. And Jesus came and broke that lie. But actually, all of us live under a cloud of deception uh, in one to one degree or another when it comes to how we think of God and what God's like. And we think God's a bully and we think God isn't kind, is not he's not interested in us. And it takes it takes us to see Jesus, doesn't it, to realize, oh, that's what God's like. It took a dramatic act on Jesus's part to break that lie. So I can as I kind of see is that, you know, there's a kind of similar, just a human trait there. And it's weird that you say that because I said this to my counsellor. I said, um, you know, Satan is the best liar. He's the king of lies. And what happened to me, that human being was an evil human being to do that. It's not normal to do that. And people will say, oh, you know, I wonder what his past was like. And we do live in a society now where they want to look at, you know, well, let's look at the abuser and not the victim. Well, I agree with that. Let's try and make abusers. But you cannot take away what they've done, which is evil. And the devil is a liar. And all that time, I've noticed with people that are, say they're atheists, they seem to know a lot about Jesus because they'll be like, uh, I don't believe in God, but if there is a God, why did he let that happen to you? Why does he allow this to happen? He, no good God with it. So they do all the bad things. And I'm saying for someone who doesn't know a lot about Jesus, you've got a lot of opinions on him. Why don't you actually, because you're listening to the devil's lies, because that's the sort of thing the devil would do. And it's just, God is good. He doesn't want bad things to happen to you. And if God wasn't good, I wouldn't be sitting here having this podcast conversation with you because he's made me strong to now. When I when I broke through the abuse, I was a people pleaser. I still lived in that. Oh, if someone if I'm not valued by them, then there's something wrong with me because that's what my abuser made me feel like. It's me. That person's wrong, but they're wrong because I've done something to upset them. And that took years. Even when my abuse had ended, I was still a victim of believing that if something's wrong it's my fault I must fix it and what I've realized now is if I follow Jesus's teaching and follow his words the devil will not get through because the devil is a liar and it will say you shouldn't say that because you're wrong you're wrong sometimes I am wrong but I'm talking about things of the heart God will not do you any harm he will not harm you he is a good God but if you don't fully trust him like we were talking before the podcast started about faith in where he will send you. If you don't fully trust God, the devil will sneak in. So you've got to, because he sneaked in next to Jesus. Even if he can try and get Jesus at his weakest moment, he's going to try and get you. <laughs> so always be aware. And you realize that it, um, it requires courage to tr- to believe the truth, doesn't it? To believe the truth that you are worth more than your abuser is telling you. Uh, the, the lies that he's telling you are in fact lies and there is there is a life on the other side of these lies if you can trust the truth that requires a huge amount of courage it strikes me to to kind of actually take steps towards that particularly when as in your case it wasn't as though your fear was unfounded like he he actually did try to kill you and you, actually before that you you wrote in the magazine in the magazine that he would regularly dig holes in the garden and yeah. threaten that to bury you I mean just yeah. a, a terrifying environment to live under yeah. And you know what? At that moment, it wasn't terrifying for me. And you 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 read it back and you hear it back. It's like hearing the jobs you did back and you're like, oh, I did really well. When you when you process what has happened to you, it is shocking, but it's not shocking when it's happening to you because you got to understand this was my everyday life. And it's like people that live in war zones. We watch it and we're shocked. But suddenly I, I was watching a girl on Sky with what's happening in Ukraine and there's planes flying over and she's not even like jolting. And they said, I can see it. And she goes, I've got used to it. 
And I thought that's what happens. You become used to even the most barbaric. How did people, you know, you must have read Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning. If you read that book, if no, if, no, if your listeners have never read that book, read it because it will, it's really good if, to understand abuse as well. How he became, that was his everyday life. And in the end, he said, I didn't want to kill myself because I knew I was going to die anyway. You know, in watching people and it's that, that, that meaning in your life. And to me, that was just my everyday life. I knew I was, I was only going to escape it, be, be killed, which seemed quite painful. <laughs> Who wants to be killed? Do you know what I mean? And there was something in me that you, it's like a captor. You see these girls that have been kidnapped and they like kind of love their captor. That's a real thing. It's a completely crazy thing to somebody who's never experienced it. But, you know, my abuser didn't go around constantly with a, a bat in his hand every day hitting me. It wasn't always horrible to me. It was, it's a, it's a perfect, um, it's, it's quite demonic really, because like the devil won't always be mean to you. He's going to give you everything you want. That's how the devil gets souls. He doesn't get them by being a horrible person. He will give you what you require if you sell him your soul. It's not always going to be horrible. And it was funny because I was saying to my um, counsellor, she said, but people deserve to be happy. And I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And she said, why? What, people shouldn't be happy? And I said, well, my abuser was happy abusing me. Does he deserve happiness? Some people take loads of cocaine and heroin and leave their children all day, but they're happy. Men go out to the pub all day because they're happy. People cheat on their wives because they feel good, it makes them happy. I said, this, you must be happy, is this modern day, do your truth. No, 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 don't do your truth, because there's a truth, and that's Jesus' truth, and that truth will give you a good life. But if you're just doing things to make you happy, my abuser was very happy abusing me. Does he deserve to be happy? (laughs) That's very powerful. Very helpful. It's actually just a kind of critique observation of a lot of our kind of modern pop philosophy that gets thrown around and it makes it makes yeah. us feel good. So it feels true because it feels like, oh, it makes you go buzzy inside. Do what makes you feel good. Well, what about if it harms others? Mm. And these these hashtags and be you. Well, my abuse was being him. It was deadly. Do what makes you happy. Be you. Feel good. And it's like, this is, the, this is demonic because that's exactly what the devil said to Jesus. I can give you everything. I can, you want food, I'll give you food. You want the city, I'll give you the city. And most people now, they're like, yeah, instant, instant. You know, if your delivery is 10 minutes late, you're like, ah, make it a complaint. We've become, and this is the, to me, and you said it takes a lot of faith to think God's going to come right for you. Um, for listeners, we were talking about I'm single. So we're talking about finding a relationship with a Christian. It may never happen, but it will happen if God wants it to happen. And God's got me this far. So I'm not going to leave him now. And I know he definitely ain't going to leave me. So, well, um, yeah. you mentioned, since you mentioned kind of being single, we talked before again about the, again, the idolization of the church for, about marriage. Um, overlooking the fact that Jesus himself was single. The Apostle Paul said it's better to be single. There is a kind of a modern obsession with the romance. We've bought into the culture's lie that you need sex to be happy. You need to be in a relationship to be happy. But I, um, I guess the kind of the question linked to that, though, when it comes to you considering your relationship or romantic life is your the way you see men sh- must have been shaped quite traumatically 
by your experiences of men throughout your life, not only your abuser, but my my guess would be as a model dressed as Marilyn, you've been in environments with lots of, what's the word, leery, sleazy men uh, who, who, and like you said yourself, that you, you've managed to separate yourself from your brain and your body. Like there's a, there's a you that's disconnected from how other people see your form and your body. So help me to understand how, how, how do you learn to correct how you view men to, do, to even get to the point where you think, well, I'm happy to be with a man in a relationship? Yeah. Well, this is the strange thing that I found. I think women who have been abused can go to, well, through many ways, but it's just my, uh, correct me, women who's been through this. But what I've, in my experience of what I've seen is women after abuse can go two, two ways. They can be extremely scared of relationships and men, or they can just not value themselves because. I and and be quite promiscuous. I know some women who are involved in the porn industry are women that have been abused from a young age, that have had um, sexual abuse from a young age. Um, with me, I I was in such a turmoil in my head because I was free and I, I I wanted to have romance. I wanted to know what it was like to have a boyfriend that I chose. You know, not not an abuser, a, a boyfriend that I chose. I was caught up in that. We all want romance. Anyone who says it doesn't want romance is uh, a bit, bit worried about you. But romance is nice, right? God wanted us to find love and to have a, a sex is a, a a pleasure. Even Augustine said that he was going against the truth. Like you know, sex is a pleasure in, with married people, right? So we're always looking for that, and I was looking for that. But what happened was is that I was looking in the wrong places. So because I have this um, Marilyn Monroe image, men were like attracted to it because it's, she is the ultimate sex symbol. And even if you're not attracted to Marilyn Monroe, it's a bit of a, a fantasy for some men. And I enjoyed having power. I'd never had power in my life. I enjoyed having the power to get men, if you like. This is like, it may sound non-Christian, but I was a non-Christian at the time. And it was just, hedonism I guess you can call it it was like I can have it I want it be be happy I mean I wasn't but you know and, and you do end up there's times I've I've slept with a guy just because all my friends thought he was good looking just so that power to go I got him like it's ridiculous it's and I see girls young girls doing that now and it's like validation I'm worth something because this person thinks I'm attractive and giving my body easily to a man wasn't valuable to me because it had already been violated I was worth nothing I could take my brain away from my body sometimes I'd be in a relationship with someone and I wasn't even there my mind was somewhere else and I'd learned that through abuse so I think that with me relationships with men were toxic in that they didn't last very long because as soon as I'd see arguments are normal I realize that now but if I had an argument with a boyfriend I'd have to leave that relationship. I couldn't process arguments because I was visualized aggression, which is not always. Sometimes it was just like, I don't want to watch this thing. And you do. And arguments were something that I had to run away from and end relationships over. And yeah, there's so mentally, I wasn't in the capacity to have a relationship that was healthy, but sexually I could do it because I could take my brain out of it. I was doing it for other reasons of control all of it was not healthy and i can see i can you know see and understand how for uh women their 
their sexual attractiveness is a form of gaining can, can become a, a form of gaining control and power and over, validation and validation over over men who are physically more powerful but actually you've got something greater than physical power as a okay. woman you learn that uh, so you can use that to your advantage so i can see that there is a, a power struggle that goes on sometimes between men and women played out in that arena that's you know yep as old as humanity is yeah and it carries on today you get likes that you know the more pictures you put up of yourself where you are using your sexuality the more engagement you get we're naturally programmed especially in today's world for you know that's what what filters are about filters aren't there to make us look worse we wouldn't put a filter on to make us look bad we're putting filters on to make us look better lie make us look better to be validated for even who we're not and I was I was being somebody I wasn't and I really want to make it clear that this was a long process this wasn't I found Jesus and the next day I turned into this perfect person who you know I've just broken up with my boyfriend because he's a non-Christian because I'm the closer you get to God I mean I became six years ago and he came to me when I had cancer it's been six years this year it's been a slow process. I always get worried about Christians that suddenly become a Christian and they're just like, everything's changed because that's, it's like a diet. It's like, you go, I'm never going to drink again. I'm never going to eat cake. And it's like, that's not sustainable. My relationship with Jesus has been a journey in this, these years. And I fell off the wagon so many times and I'm like, Oh, Jesus will understand. Of course he'll understand. He's Jesus, but he doesn't want that for you. <laughs> And it's taken me a while to go to get that confidence. And that's come from abuse. And that's come from to really that people pleasing, that validation that finally it doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to suddenly go, I'm a Christian and get baptized and everything. You're suddenly thinking straight, as we say, you're, you're not going to do that. It's, you're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to think, shouldn't have done that but I they're becoming less and less the transformation happens inside and that's the relationship stay with God stay in prayer and people say I don't know how to pray I was like just pretend you're chatting to your mate because he is and just talk to him and before you know it you'll be praying and if you read read scripture read books about scripture if you pick up a bible and it just overwhelms you which it did for me at the first I was like this all sounds really bad I don't understand it then go to great writers go to podcasts like yours listen to other Christians listen there's great we're so blessed at the moment there's so many great Christian writers out there magazines like Woman Alive pick them up before you know it the closer you get and stay stay around people of who are on the same path as you oh it, it works wonders it'll bring you closer you have to stay in your tribe. That's amazing. I think it's a really helpful corrective to the, you know, the church can be guilty, guilty of falling into the um, the kind of advertising salesman, change your life, kind of buy this product and your life will be better, buy this record or whatever and your life will be better. We can be guilty of falling into that trap, like just take the Jesus pill and everything will get sorted. Whereas actually the call to become a Christian is a call to become a disciple, isn't it? It's not to become a perfect person overnight. It's to stop being a disciple of the world and to start being a disciple of Jesus which again implies process it implies movement it implies journey and learning over a lifetime it's Jesus will change your life over 50 years that's what he does yes. as you learn to follow him you're so right about this instant fix because we live in an instant world if you want to see a film you can instantly download instant news instant food instant everything whereas Jesus isn't 
like I love when people first turn up at church and they walk to the front and they pray and and they want to start that journey I get excited for them but I think we really need to take care of those people because it isn't a quick fix they're gonna you know end up maybe getting drunk and sleeping with their ex and then feel like oh I can't go back to church because I've let people down I don't ever want someone to feel that we judge we are like Jesus's own disciples let him down so God knows that you're going to fail. But what you'll realize is if you get close to God, find a great church, those failures will become less and less and they'll become further and further apart. And before you know it, you're like, because oh, it's happened to me. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Wow, Jesus, you're amazing. Because it, it doesn't, it's like you say, it's not, it's not going to be this quick fix. It's like a long-term diet. People will tell you that quick fix diets, that they're not sustainable. Jesus is a relationship and it's a lifelong relationship and it's the best relationship you'll ever have. And that's not saying you've not got a great relationship with your husband or your mum. But I remember my friends were like, that's so weird because they said, like, do you love Jesus more than your mum? Like someone actually asked me that. And I was like, yes. And they were like, that's so weird. And I said, no, it's not. I said, because by loving Jesus more than my mum, I love my mum more. And it's it's. I see sides of my mum because obviously I had a traumatic time going through what we went through. I see sides of my mum that I wouldn't have seen unless I can see her through the eyes of Jesus and the way that Jesus treats me and all the mistakes I've made in my life. And he still came and touched me when I was ill. He didn't go, nope, forget her. He knows he always stood by me. And by having Jesus in my life, it makes me kind of love people more. It makes me tell the truth, though. I will. I don't believe in this, like, Jesus loves everyone. He loves everyone, but he'll still correct you. He doesn't want me to do the things that are not good for me. That's really, I, I don't like when we go down this road of, Jesus will love you no matter what you do. Yes, he will, but he doesn't want you to do those things. <laughs> okay? So just so you know, he's not going to be, like they go, Jesus would be sitting in this bar now. I said, he would be sitting in this bar now, but telling you about salvation. He wouldn't be having 10 shots with you. This is very important for you to know that right so and I think that having Jesus literally Marilyn got me through my life but Jesus made me have this Jesus knitted me in my mother's womb he knew my life and people say what well, he knew you were going to get abused he knew when I'm in this world that things can happen to you he knows that he we he gives each other free will and also the free will to be amazing lights to people I'm also healed because I've met amazing people like tolerant woman alive you know what an amazing woman who's also been through cancer and also had child loss and everything you know I had a I had a miscarriage and I tried to have a baby you know we know now it's probably because I had cancer but there's amazing Christian women out there that will help you on your journey and amazing you're a man. So amazing Christian men you can reach out to if you've got questions and that we're all here to help each other. It's not, you're not on a journey on your own. Jesus has put great people around you as well. That's really helpful. Actually, you know, strikes me as you're saying about um, Jesus didn't necessarily know you might we might say Jesus didn't know that you were going to get abused, but he knew you were you were living in an evil world or a world where evil exists. And I think sometimes going back to you know kind of critique of modern society with all of its hashtags YOLO and you know you do you and all of that. There's also this there's a very naive 
understanding of human goodness in the world that is very surprised and shocked by acts of evil it doesn't know quite what to do with it but like you said we want to understand the abuser because they can't be evil can they and then we see what's going on in ukraine and think human beings are capable of that can we really bomb a maternity ward in a hospital is that what we do and actually perhaps sometimes as christians we need to have a more working definition understanding of evil and the fool and how broken we are as individuals we are the kind of people who aren't just abused we abuse we're evil and we don't just rescue people we also cause people great harm Um, and that's what i'm kind of also hearing as well just through through your you've lived a life that has you might say seen a lot of evil and so you don't have a kind of a naivety when it comes to human nature you understand a bit like Viktor Frankl you mentioned earlier you understand what human beings are capable of and Jesus has come to you within that realism so I suppose what I'm getting at is that Christianity isn't a, um, a sugar coating of the truth it's not a just make you feel better and all your problems will go away it Jesus comes to you in the nitty-gritty of life in the midst of evil and in the midst of the evil shows you his great love for you and his great plan for your life as well yeah and that I think that's very important that we don't sugarcoat Christianity we don't make it like it's a perfect world that we, there's the world and there's Christianity you can't see that on radio <laughs> podcast. so like we're separate we're two separate things because we're not and Jesus said we're in the world but we're not of the world and that's really important that's how I feel I live in this world to try and show you that there, there is this world of good but it has to exist alongside evil and the devil even came to Jesus so if people don't really like, I remember I had an ex-boyfriend and he said, I don't like it when you talk about demons. I don't like it when you talk about the devil. And I was like, but it's real. And I do think we have an uncomfortable, it's like the reason why people are obsessed with Netflix when they do serial killer things, because like you say, they're fascinated with evil because deep, deep down, they're fascinated because it frightens them, but they don't really like to talk about it because it scares them. And the thing is, we'll always like talk about the good oh, this good happened to me today, but you've got to recognise with good comes evil, but you've got to pick a side because before you know it, you know, you say you watch people do bad things. We are capable of doing those things. We are capable of them. When you see the terrible things going on in the world, it can be at your doorstep tomorrow. And how will you react to it? And to me, if you've not got faith to get, and atheists will argue with me this, but I don't know how an atheist gets through life and I'm not saying that Jesus is a quick fix to go I'm okay I've got Jesus because Jesus is real he will he's a living God unlike other gods that people believe in Jesus is alive you can't visit his grave he's real and he can change and transform your life we all have strength to get through things you wouldn't know you were you could possibly get through when I see the life I've had I get on my knees and go thank you Jesus because I know he was there because something was there and it wasn't me. People go, you did so well to get through that. I didn't do it. There was something there. And when it touched me when I had cancer, I knew exactly who it was. And it was Jesus. And it's as real as the devil making people do evil things. Oh, man. Uh, as real, but stronger. He defeats the devil and can overcome the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the Apostle John writes, he who's in you is greater than he that's in the world. And Perhaps, uh, Susie, it's, it's such a, a privilege to talk to you. I love your just your love of Jesus and your realism in, in the world as well. Um, as we kind of wrap things up and draw things to a close, what are some kind of final comments or things that you'd want to say to people listening 
uh, maybe to people who are stuck in horrendous situations, how would you encourage them? I, I would never had the foresightedness to know this, but if you are listening and if you've escaped abuse, I want to say that there is people there to help you, but get in a good church. There's amazing churches. Pray to Jesus for strength. If you feel weak or if you're just speak out, if you are in something, trust me, there is help. There really is. I never knew it, but once I got it, they really helped me. There is help out there. If you know something is wrong, call it out. And don't be afraid to, even if they're your friends, if you care about your friends, call something out because they might need someone to be strong with them. I've had amazing people around me. Just you know, do like Jesus would do. If he saw injustice, he always called it out. If you're worried about someone, ask them call it out don't be afraid about losing their friendship call it out because you might put something in them to help them really if you don't like something speak truth and don't be afraid because jesus will have you he'll have your back Amen. thank you so much susie how can people connect with you and um, learn more about your life on just things that you're doing at the moment well, you can get the March issue. I don't know when your podcast is going out, but you can get the March issue of Woman Alive. And if you haven't, uh, you can order it from a month before. Um, uh, it's also online. You can get me on Instagram at Susie Kennedy. It's S-U-Z-I-E Kennedy. Um, I do Facebook, but I've got too many friends or something, they say. It's a hard so. life. It's, it's, it's so <laughs> like they limit your friends. I mean, you've got 5,000 friends anyway. They might as well just open it up. I don't know 5,000 yeah, people, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So Instagram, <laughs> at Susie Kennedy, Facebook. Um, I have a great podcast called Living with Marilyn for people that I just talk about what it's like to live as Marilyn and about stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so all those avenues you can get me on. So yeah, and website and Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird when someone's like, you're on Wikipedia. I was like, how? But yeah. That's how you know you've made it in the world, isn't it? That you get a, a Wikipedia page. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, I know it winds me up, but like, I've got a blue tick on Instagram and I've got a blue tick on um, Facebook. And that means that you're validated. You you are real. And I'm like, I was already validated. I was validated by Jesus. I'm not going to worry about your blue tick. But sadly, in this world, people want to take notice of you when you've got a blue tick. So amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, you have been validated by Jesus and validated by us. We love you. We're so grateful for you, <laughs> for your testimony. God bless you. And thanks for your time today.